You're listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. I'm Mike Sakel, taking you beyond the headlines and introducing you to interesting people and happenings here in Sullivan County, New York, and throughout the Catskills and Hudson Valley. With me right now is SUNY Sullivan President Jay Quaintance, here to discuss SUNY Sullivan and, of course, uh, as any educational institution, uh, its uh, current role during the COVID crisis, uh, where it stands. And uh, Jay Quaintance, welcome to the Radio Bold News Pod. Good to have you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. So uh, recently you uh, had a board of trustees meeting uh, and uh, and reported, that, of course, your enrollment situation and some of the other things. Let, let's talk a little bit about the basics. Where is SUNY Sullivan right now in terms of uh, enrollment and the current situation with with COVID nineteen, what's what is your your schedule like in the near future? Where are we at? Sure. So uh, we'll start with enrollment, um, and you know all you have to do is look around the country, and you could pretty much guess that we're going to fall in line with what other schools are experiencing, which is the case. We're down in total headcount about thirteen percent from uh, last year this time. Um, the, the part that's a little bit different because of COVID and just the fact that so many of our courses are being offered remotely is that the students that are enrolled are taking a lower course load. So our, our AAFTE, or our full-time equivalency, is down about 23%. And again, um, you know, that's pretty standard for where community colleges are in New York and from everything I can gather in other states as well, where the priority has been to ensure the health and safety of the faculty, staff, and students. And for us, what that means is that we have to conduct most of our classes online. Uh, we do have limited classes, uh, mostly in our health studies department, our culinary arts department, and our theater department that are face-to-face because there's really not an effective way to do them unless we absolutely have to. But pedagogically, it makes better sense to have some of those lab-based classes uh, happen in a face-to-face environment, albeit with you know appropriate social distancing and wearing PPE to make sure that everyone is um, as safe as they possibly can be. Well, one of the uh, real challenges that you have also involves your your student makeup, and uh, I know there's a good percentage of of local students, regional students, but you do bring in students from from other areas, and ordinarily you'd also have a situation where you have uh, housing on campus, and right now that is not the case, correct? Where do you stand with that? That is correct. We do not have any students uh, in residence on our campus, nor did we in the fall, and it's really a function of the, the way our building was constructed many years ago. It's an older style of dormitory than what is being built in the last, say, 10 years, um, where in each wing we would have as many as potentially 50 students sharing one bathroom. Uh, it's a bathroom with you know many showers, many sinks, many toilets, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's just really no way to keep that number of students safe in that environment. So we made the decision last fall to just not even make the attempt. We didn't want to put people at risk and recognizing that if we were to have an outbreak, that would mean that we would have to quarantine students in place. That would have required us to deliver meals to them. It would have required uh, a great deal of staff time. And we just didn't feel that we had the capacity to be able to do that 
uh, responsibly. So we made that decision, and you're exactly right. About 70% of our students, maybe a little bit more, come from the local area and are what we would consider commuter students. And then there's that 30%-ish that are uh, you know, from far enough away that they would prefer to live in the dorms or in our, uh, our eco-green townhouses on campus. And by, and and the other thing that I would add that you didn't mention is that a lot of those are student athletes that come from pretty far away, and some of them are international students. We have students, student athletes from as far away as France. We have many from Canada, and then um, you know the vast majority are from uh, you know the New York City metropolitan area or you know our contiguous states. What happened was when uh, when we decided that we weren't in. And it wasn't just our decision. This was a system-wide decision and the NJCAA decision that sports were going to have to be conducted again in a different way. Um, We just figured that we were going to go ahead and put the dorms on hold, try to keep our student-athletes engaged as best we can. But because there's no – we didn't go through the process of what's called return to competition – uh, or return to play, and there's two categories that the NJCAA has come up with. Um, because we weren't able to do that, so they couldn't practice together, they couldn't scrimmage, they couldn't play other teams, we did lose a fair number of uh, student-athletes, about 93, I think, um, from where we were last spring, which so is that really does, unfortunate. Yeah, that really does cut into your population and and your numbers, of course, where does that stand right now? Says some school sports are coming back. Uh, what is the situation with uh, with collegiate sports, in particular, some of the the specific sports that that SUNY Sullivan covers? So winter sports were pretty much uh, put in a position where, and by winter sports for us, that's uh, wrestling. It is um, men's and women's basketball. Um, any of those kinds of sports that are you know, really require people to be close together, those are pretty much on hold. For us, what we're doing now is eyeing spring sports as potentially being able to bring some of those back. So that would be baseball, golf, and um, our outdoor uh, track program. We're just waiting and seeing where things are. The the goal would be to bring them back in March and have them be back on campus um, in a limited capacity. Again, just, you know, a small number of students. But as long as we could get a a schedule for them to play in competition, then we'd, we'd really like to be able to do that. Would you have housing available for them, or how would that work? We would end up putting them in single uh, rooms in the eco-green townhomes, which are equipped with kitchens. One of the consequences of not opening the larger uh, Lazarus Levine dormitory was that we don't have any food service on campus. So they would have to stay in the the eco-green townhomes, which have kitchens, and then they would be responsible for preparing their own meals. So how much of a difference does that make uh, in, in terms of uh, any uh, community college or college situation? I mean, many, many organizations, many educational organizations such as yours rely a lot on athletics as being part of their uh, curriculum and, and really their, their student body. So um, you're talking about what, probably about 20 percent or so of your student, student body that, that isn't available right now because of athletics. Uh, how does that really tie in with the bottom line yeah i mean i you know the the decline that we see in enrollment i think a fair portion of it comes from the fact that we lost those student athletes now um you know for us it's interesting because suny sullivan has such a long history of excellence in athletics 
that we're hopeful that once we can be back in class in a face-to-face environment that we'll be able to bounce back pretty quickly because um, because of our reputation and because students student athletes really do want to come and play here um, you know last year in March February and March this time you know we were really looking at uh, the potential for both our men's and women's varsity teams had a legitimate shot at winning the national championship mm-hmm. at the division two level. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it was heartbreaking to have to send students home and, and then it was just kind of a watch and wait to see what would happen. And ultimately the tournament was canceled and, uh, you know, put off. So, so we're, we're hopeful that that, that level of athlete will come back and we're confident that we have the the coaching staff and the recruiters in place to be able to do that and re-engage. Well, you definitely had the momentum there. So uh, hopefully that, that would be the case in terms of your scholastic programs. uh, You know, you mentioned a couple that are uh, on campus, one in particular, the health education programs. Um, Have you adjusted at all with the COVID situation? I would imagine that uh, health would be one particular uh, subject that a lot of people are interested in. And are you looking at expanding those programs or perhaps even adding programs that have come about uh, because of the current situation? Yeah, we absolutely are. We've seen a lot of growth in our nursing program over the last couple of years. Uh, In fact, it's the largest class we've had in probably a decade. I think we have something like 95 nursing students right now. Uh, Respiratory is also growing. Um, You know, and we're looking at a, we've actually been working with um, Sullivan County on a CNA program. And we were recently gifted uh, approximately a quarter of a million dollars from the old Roscoe nursing home sale to start an LPN program and to really tie some of this together. And with the, with the agreement that we signed recently with Empire State College, if we were to go down this route, we would have in, in terms of nursing, everything from, um, you know, the, the most entry level CNA position, position, a certified nurse's assistant, all the way up to a bachelor's of science in nursing that students could complete right here in Sullivan County. And we're really excited about that because obviously, uh, you know, there's a, an increased attention to the healthcare field. And it's, you know, if you take in aggregate all of the healthcare related employers here in Sullivan County, it's definitely the largest employment sector. So uh, we want to make sure that we're meeting the needs of students who want to train here, stay here, and work here and raise families here in Sullivan County. Well, Jay, maybe you can fill me in a little bit on the the agreement because it, it, it is of interest with the, your agreement with Empire State College. Can you go into some of the details with that? Sure. So it's a, it, I, I mentioned it really in the context of the Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, but it's, it's actually even broader than that. It's an agreement where uh, students who complete our health studies programs or our, you know, what we would consider allied health-related programs um, have the opportunity to transfer seamlessly to Empire State College, which for listeners who may or may not be aware, Empire State College is sort of the, uh, you know, the the online version of SUNY in some ways. I mean, historically, um, Empire State College provided distance learning opportunities for people who couldn't get to a four-year school and complete a bachelor's degree. They even have master's degrees. They're also the school that was really has done cutting-edge uh, work in terms of providing credit for prior learning um, that people might have learned on the job, but Rather than have to take a class, they can demonstrate that they have the kind of knowledge that they would learn in a class, but that they gained it through their prior work experience. Or 
uh, even from military experience. So converting a person's military credentials into college level learning credentials. So we're, we're very excited to be in a partnership with Empire State so that we now have several opportunities for students to stay here in Sullivan County and complete a bachelor's degree uh, without having to go to, say, New Paltz or Oneonta or Cortland or wherever. No, that's a, that sounds like a very exciting uh, program and, and a great opportunity for those attending SUNY Sullivan. In terms of the, the big picture, and I imagine... You know, we, we're all aware of the fact that uh, in primary education right now, remote learning has uh, has been a detriment to some. You know, it's it, it's something that we're dealing with that is happening because of the current situation. I mean, have have you had discussions with your peers, and are you prepared in terms of uh, you know over the course of the next uh, few years as things unfold to uh, pick up the slack, as it were. I mean, how do you, how do you see high school students and, and graduates that are coming to, to SUNY Sullivan re- responding to this? And and are you looking at the, the fact that uh, in, they may have some difficulties and maybe even remedial courses and, and other things that need to be offered to kind of get back up to speed? Yeah. And, you know, I think Community colleges especially are uniquely positioned to be able to do this. Part of our primary educational mission has always been to meet students where they are in terms of their academic preparation and provide them the coursework and the supports to get them into college-level courses and ultimately through to completion and graduation and onto a career or transfer. And so we you know, we have a long history, 30-plus years uh, in the SUNY system, probably uh, much longer than that, actually, as I'm thinking about it. We, we have those courses on the books. We have instructors for that. And so we, we are ready for that. I, I agree. I think, you know, the country as a whole, New York State in particular, is going to face a, a generation of students who are potentially going to be negatively impacted by this. And I think we all need to collectively think about how we're going to address that. You know, is that going to mean that we're going to see more summer opportunities for continuing? Uh, you know, one of the concerns that we always have in a, even in the best of times, is that students lose a lot of the academic gain that they make in a school year. They lose that over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're going to start to see a full calendar where we're going to have to make sure that students are engaged and, and get caught back up to where they would be in terms of being on grade level. Um, one of the conversations that I've had with some folks at the New York State Education Department is around regents exams because they weren't able to give regents exams now three different test dates have been canceled as a result of COVID. And so some conversations are around, well, what kind of college course could a student take in lieu of a regent's exam so that they could ultimately complete the New York State requirement for graduation? So we would be um, absolutely poised for enrolling students, say, in you know, our freshman comp course, if that would satisfy the English language arts regents exam, if they passed our course with a, you know, 75 or better, um, things like that. The same would be true in mathematics. We could do the same in biology and, and history classes all the way across. We have courses that we know that passing our courses demonstrates the knowledge that the regents exam uh, would typically test for. So we could we could certainly do something like that. Interesting, yeah, and and it will ter- certainly, I'm sure, evolve as uh, as the situation unfolds, 
and uh, hopefully we can get into a post-COVID environment, whatever that may be, but no doubt that's going to affect the, the educational community as a whole. I wanted to wrap up here, Jay, and talk a little bit more in broad terms. Uh, SUNY Sullivan, like, like any educational institution, of course, is a big part of their community. Talk to me a little bit about community involvement. I know, for example, Sullivan County Public Health, uh, there might be vaccination clinics that are coming up at SUNY Sullivan. They're tentative right now. There are other things that the, that the college provides. Talk to me about SUNY Sullivan and community and your community contacts out there. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a really great question. One of the things that I wanted to ensure we did as we transitioned into the COVID environment was that we were as able as possible to be as supportive as possible to every aspect of life in Sullivan County. Um, That's a pretty broad brush I get, but what we've been able to do, and you know, you mentioned the vaccination clinic. Um, We've worked with County Health for years and years practicing for us to be what's called a pod or a a, um, a place of distribution. Um, So we, We've worked with them on an annual basis, going through drills. So we have the capacity to stand up a vaccination clinic fairly quickly. And, and you're right, there, it's an evolving situation. It's really a lot of it is based on the vaccine coming into the county and the uh, you know how it, and what the rate of vaccine coming into the county is. But we have been talking with county health and public safety about um, you know serving in that capacity possibly as soon as March. So we're excited about that. Even more than that, what we were able to do, and I can just give you a couple of examples, when we shifted to a fully online learning environment last spring, uh, we put up an external Wi-Fi hotspot outside of the field house, recognizing that broadband access in Sullivan County can be limited in some areas. So we wanted to make sure that people had uh, had the ability to come to a place where they could access the internet uh, with high speed uh, capacity. So we were able to do that. We were able to secure uh, about 150 laptops that we were able to loan to students who may have not had their own computer at home or, you know, had one computer for six family members or that kind of thing. We, uh, we stood up a food insecurity program to help students who had been impacted by having, you know, either themselves losing their job or somebody in their family losing a job or multiple people losing a job. And therefore, uh, you know, they didn't have money to buy food. So we've been able to give, um, food help to folks. We, um, we worked very closely with some of our partner agencies and organizations here in Sullivan County, like Sullivan 180, Renaissance. We're now working with Mountain Keeper. We've done some work with Cornell Cooperative um, to use our online platform for some of the services that they would normally do. So as an example, Sullivan 180 has community health champions who are people who, you know, they're kind of health coaches in their communities. When COVID hit and people couldn't participate in those kinds of activities on a face-to-face basis, we were able to go ahead and set up a system through our community learning platform where they could still continue to do that work. And it's very critical, especially in, you know, in the height of a pandemic for people to have access to good quality um, advice and educational uh, materials around their health. And we didn't want to lose the momentum that we had. Um, we're working with Mountain Keeper coming up to do some things on campus to get people outside, see our trails, um, build some new trails, learn about the flora and fauna of Sullivan County and what we have on our 400 acres here on campus. We have been, um, now we're partnering, uh, it's you've probably seen with the Homestead School 
to start an early college high school where, uh, you know, Homestead only went through seventh grade. Traditionally, they're going to open that up as a, as a full high school model. And students who are enrolled in that will also be able to enroll in se- one of several degree tracks here and complete both a high school degree and a college degree simultaneously. So we've been we've been working really hard with our community partners. You know, we we loaned respirators to the uh, to Garnet Health at the beginning when they when the big influx was happening. We've loaned PPE. We set up our 3D laser printers or uh, 3D printing devices to manufacture face shields for use at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been. You know, we've we've just been trying to be as strong a partner across the county as we possibly could. Yes, and I I'm so glad you went through that list, Jay. I think that's uh, you know, um, just so important and and so important to think about the fact uh, that uh, an, an institution like SUNY Sullivan is a very very important part of of any community, and certainly the Sullivan County community here. So, um, I think it's a it's a great way to wrap up our conversation. And um, also like to thank you on behalf of Bold Gold Media as well for your participation, as as has been the case the last few years with our 98.3 WSUL Heartathon, which is scheduled for February 19th of, of this year. So again, just a, a lot of participation. And, and these are the things that make a place like SUNY Sullivan important for all of us, really. I appreciate that. And I'm very proud to be, again, uh, you know, uh, co-chair of the the Heartathon. I think it is such a great example of the generosity and collectivist attitude that you find in a place like Sullivan County, and particularly in Sullivan County. I, I was talking with your colleague Paul Silberto this morning, and you know he pointed out that other, other than my job here, co-host or co-chairing the Heartathon is the longest thing I've done. It's been this is my third year doing it, but it really <laughs> yeah. is. Um, it really is just you know such an important event and the work that people do to, to raise the money that stays in Sullivan County and provides equipment for our hospital to provide the care that we need and gives their doctors and nurses and staff the tools that they need to be able to do that um, is just, you know, it's, it's very gratifying and it's gratifying to see how successful it's been for, I guess this is the 43rd year or something like that. Yes, yes it is. And, uh, and just in general, you know, the fact that uh, the Sullivan County population is really so generous uh, in the long term and we have our challenges and certainly uh, our county is uh, economically challenged in a lot of ways, but, uh, but people really, people really give in this community and they, they, they try hard and uh, and really make a difference, uh, much like yourself and SUNY Sullivan and the whole staff at SUNY Sullivan uh, that do so much. So thank you so much, Jay Quaintance, President SUNY Sullivan. I very much appreciate the conversation today. It's been a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for re- reaching out, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. This is Mike Sakel. Thanks for listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. Be back soon with more conversations that you can check out wherever you get your favorite podcasts and always at RadioBold.com.